Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, you're in such a good mood now. It is great. I'm relieved. Yeah, I feel like when you walked in, you noticed the tension. Oh my God, yeah. Well, okay. So we'll officially tell everybody now that we uh, we both passed. But before we dive in, thank you very much for joining us, everybody. We are the Buffalo Happy Hour podcast, where we record weekly interviews every single week. And we also record special interviews that are released every single Friday. So if you're interested in that sort of content and you want to help us continue to support these small businesses, make sure to leave a like. What? You said interviews twice. Did I? Yeah. We record weekly episodes and then we record special interviews that release every Friday. That's what I said. No. You said that we record interviews and then we also record special interviews. (laughs) Either way. We record all the things. (laughs) And if you want to help us support small businesses, please make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and then also leave a comment down below what your favorite part of today's video was. Today, we're going to be talking about our weekly recap, which is a lot to discuss, as Michael Kelly says. Then we're going to talk about our new friends over at St. Lawrence Distilleries, one of their product, which is Distiller Select Barrel Strength. Then we're going to round out today's episode by talking about the second edition in our eighth edition of our second miniseries, yes. which is Mr. William Wild Bill Donovan. Joe Donovan. <laughs> sure. He's got like 17 names. He deserves yeah. it because he's done literally every single thing in the entire world. Correct. But anyway, Mike, why were you so stressed? Okay, so first we'll we'll leave everybody on a cliffhanger because there's uh there's there's three things to discuss. Literally everybody already stopped watching, so it's fine. I know, I know. Um first slightly turned down our volume because I feel like we're super loud inside our headphones. Jesus. Is that a thing? We're fine. I, I just feel like it, it was loud. Now, then lower your better. voice. All right. Sorry, I'm juiced. I know. You're telling me how to do my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. For, uh, let's see, for the weekly recap, the initial blast of stuff for our everyday listener is we made a updated house project list to knock out here. Um so that's exciting. I went to my buddy's house on Saturday night for uh, dinner and drinks. That was fun. And then the next day, we went to another buddy's house for the Super Bowl on Saturday when I was at my first buddy's house. Not that I have like all these friends, but it's two yeah, different really. people. I'm your only um, friend. Everybody knows that. Correct. We played a board game called Sequence. Oh, I remember that game. It, it's amazing. I've never played it. Really? So, yeah. So that was a super good game. If anybody's interested in a board game. Um, That's with for the like, cards, right? The cards and the little things. You got chips. Yeah, yeah. And then you place them on the cards. We still play that, Gina and I. It's a good game. Every once in a while, we'll bring out the, the board games. Sometimes mm-hmm. we'll play sequence. Sometimes we'll play cards. Sometimes we got a Godfather game, which is super dope. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a board night and uh, played sequence. So if you haven't played, definitely recommend that. And then went to another buddy's house, fell asleep in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. I had way too many chocolate chip cookies. So it is what it is. Um, So I was literally falling asleep in Colleen's lap. And then she woke me up when the game ended. Outside of that, we have a... uh, Two large announcements. First and foremost, we are not in your garage. Correct. So we're not freezing. I'm in a t-shirt. It's great. It's like 13 degrees outside. We are recording in my basement. Um, so that's where we are. There's heat in here. Mm-hmm. It's great. And yeah. And then this showed up in the mail and you're like, hey, we're New Year's resolution for the podcast. Let's become official. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And we found through... The Staven Thief Society and the Moonshine University that they have a program that you can take that's like the only legitimate blessed off mm-hmm. thing that exists for whiskey to prove to people you actually know something about whiskey. Right. Um, so for us, we got the book. We put in the elbow grease and read and studied. And it was interesting because we didn't realize how much we knew. Mm-hmm. 
until we open the book. And they're like, yeah, this is what you have to get tested on. And we're like, wow. So I know about 65% of this stuff before I even dive into like the fifth chapter. So that was nice. Which I think speaks volumes to our podcast. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, we're great. But our whole premise of the podcast was to interview small businesses to give them a platform to promote. And we started that with distilleries. So if anybody has been following us from the beginning, we've talked to basically every single distillery in the Buffalo area around their distilling process, which, I mean, some of the big things in there was barrel aging, which mm-hmm. we've, we're like best friends with Justin Hartman from Hartman's Distilling, who has a whiskey seminar that you and I participated in quite a bit which covers all of that stuff. We had the sour mash process, which there's a distillery down in Ellicottville that we interviewed that does the sour, sour mash process. So a lot of the intricacies within this book, we've already talked to head distillers that are actually doing it, which is, yeah, as soon as we open that book, I'm like, you know what? Let's just do this. When we got the book at first, <clears throat> we were like, you know what? We'll, we'll dedicate days. We'll read it over. We'll take the test like a while down the road, man. Like, I want to know this from front to back. That night when we got that book, we actually recorded an episode that day when we got it. Yeah. That night, I read the entire thing. The next morning, I took the test, nailed it. Yeah. It was just, we really don't give ourselves a lot of credit when it comes to this stuff. No, not at all. If you thought, even before we got this book and you looked into that, what did you think your chances were of passing this before you even looked at that book? low until a couple months ago. And then when we started talking to more and more people about, like you said, the process and everything else, it started to click in my head that we were literally speaking the same language Mm -hmm. without officially doing any type of work for the distilleries. And we're like, how do, how will we like, it doesn't make sense that we're able to pick all this up. And then once I read the book, I'm like, this is, this is cake. Like there's, I will be okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's the other side of me with like test anxiety and I flip out and I'm like, I, this is like super important to me. I really don't want to fail. And you're like, dude, relax, just take the test. And then we destroyed it. Like we both got over 95%, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy with that. Um, but it just, oh, <sighs> It's realistically for you guys so that you know we're not totally full of it. We're not just randomly saying things that you would think go with bourbon. Like yeah. it's it's a more realistic taste and experience for us. And we're trying to give you the best and most honest feedback possible with every product. So now that we're officially stewards, um, I mean, it just kind of adds that level of professionalism that we always aim for. But it gives us more credibility and I think most importantly self-confidence mm-hmm. to know like – we can hang. Yeah. So I'm I'm very excited, and I'm so relieved that that's over with. Right. So, like, to do that, I've taken a lot of very important tests in my life, whether it's college, with the Army, things like that. But this is, for some odd reason, this literally freaked me out. When was the last time you actually took a test that mattered? Um, not like what, what chocolate year? are you? No, yeah. no, Not like a, Bud, a BuzzFeed quiz, <laughs> but the um, – Probably the last military school I went to, um, which was 2018, and it was extremely stressful because it was v- one of the harder things to get tested out on, but it's VID, so it's it's vehicle identification mm-hmm. for all the nations. So you have to identify, like, their tanks, mm-hmm. um, like, their their armored personnel carriers, so and it's all just, like, a silhouette of a vehicle. And then you look for, like, four identifying things, but it's timed. So you it's on the screen for, like, five seconds, and you're like, okay, like, it's that nation. And then you have another five seconds before it goes to the next vehicle. Mm. And you have to, like, know it or not. So I was kind of stressed out over that. Um, but that was probably the most stressful test and the most recent test that I've taken since we graduated college in 2014 with yeah. our bachelor's. I don't think I've taken anything. Honestly. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews, which I guess those are tests in a way because they're testing you on what you know about the job that you're applying for. But from an actual sit down to fill out multiple choice questions, I have not taken that in a very long time. And it was just crazy how quick I flew through that test. You too. We finished the test in 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous. And we didn't take it together. If Stave and Thief is watching, I took mine 
literally the day after we got it. And you just took yours today. So we did not take these together. And dude, you were like, I was trying to get you to slow down because I'm like, I know he's just going to because you're a savant and you learn way faster than I do. <laughs> like if it's concepts or whatever. And I'm like, here we go. And you're like, you got a second. I'm like, did somebody back out? Like is a future collaboration like on the fence now because of whatever. And then I'm like, yeah, go ahead. So we talked for literally like two minutes and you're like, all right, so just let you know, uh, Pat's a test crushed it. So <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just staring at my phone like this mother. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And you're like, yeah, you'll be fine. Just like, just, just keep hammering the book. Like once, once you're comfortable with the book, just take the test. I'm like, well, that's in like nine years. Yeah. So, but it wasn't in nine years because you did it much quicker than that. But I was so aggravated because I got a 96, which means I missed one question. <laughs> me too. And I swear, I, I, if you guys are watching this, if Steven Thief is watching this, I believe that you cannot get 100% because the question that I got wrong, there was – I don't even think that there was two choices. But the book literally said the answer that I picked and it marked me wrong. Very upset about that because I'm a perfectionist. I want to understand what I didn't get right so I can study it. But when I study the thing I didn't get right and I just confirmed the beliefs that I originally had, <laughs> I was so mad, man. When I looked at that, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so mad. It's all good though. Yeah. I. My anxiety was so high going into that. I'm like, if I get an 80.25, I will literally do a backflip because you have to get 80 or higher. Mm -hmm. So coming out as high as I did on that exam, I'm like, okay, it's um, I know what's going on. But it's cool because, I mean, to give you guys some understanding on really what was covered, this is specifically for um, like – it's focused primarily on bourbon. So it went over some of the facts of history of bourbon and when it was actually legally called bourbon, the first time it was published in a newspaper, who did the bottling line, who did like everything when it comes to bourbon. But the ending part was actually really fun. The ending question was you had to build yourself a flight, which is demonstrating to yourself, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to tell you that I know what I'm doing by demonstrating what I know about this flight of bourbons. Yeah. So – we both did the same flight. That doesn't mean we copied each other, but Devil's River is our favorite distillery in the area. Well, I also wasn't going to buy three new bottles of bourbon right. for something that literally took like, okay, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to just make sure everything was covered and I did what was asked and everything. Like, I'm not going to, there's no point. Yeah. So I'm just going to use what's already open out of our collection of what we've already done on the podcast. Yeah. So it was really cool. It was cool to build a flight. It was cool to finish that test. And I'm just so happy that it's done because now we can breathe. Yeah, no kidding. And it's it's interesting. I hate New Year's resolutions, but one goal of ours for the year was to become stewards. And we did it by the middle of February. Mm -hmm. Today's date's the 10th of February. So we, as soon as the book was out. And dude, it was back ordered. I was just going to say the same thing. So when... It wasn't uh, like it wasn't available to ship until what day? In February first, the first. Yeah. So in, so we got it within a week. We both passed. I was, yeah, I was a little obnoxious when it came to looking to make sure that that's available. I the second I woke up on February first, I ordered it, and Stephen Thief posted that it's available on like February second during the middle of the day. I'm like, <laughs> I already got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know why, man. I was just so excited to do this and so excited to take this test that I just wanted to jump at the opportunity when it was available because I didn't want us to be February 3rd, we remember, and it's already sold out again. I didn't know the the traffic for this. True. So it, I'm just very happy that we ended up doing that. Yeah. So if you're in email correspondence with us, you're probably going to see that. Um, we get a fancy pin. So if it's on a suit jacket on the lapel, you know why. But we're pumped. And you know this is going to be worn when we go to, like, ev podcast events. Oh, 100%. This is very interesting. What's the proof on this again? Uh, 120.3. And it's handwritten, which I like. Dude, this literally smells like candy. Right? It's very, very, very inviting on the nose. But anyway, so that was really wow. our highlight of the past week since you guys heard from us last uh we've also been cranking out interviews like you probably already know we for some reason 
you and I had a discussion with each other. We're like, dude, let's stop doing two interviews a week because we've gotten to this point where we're sitting down to with a new small business to interview them. And they're like, when is this going to go live? And we're like, a little over a month away. So we were so backlogged that we were doing these interviews very far in advance, which is great, but it started to create some complications, specifically if a business had something that they wanted to promote coming out soon. And then we weren't able to rearrange our schedule to make sure that that was able to release before their announcement to build hype for it. Well, that and just the overall hype in general. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> when somebody is allowed to discuss their business in detail for as long as they want, it costs them absolutely nothing. And they're literally under lights. It's being recorded. It's going to be all over social media mm-hmm. on every platform that you can think of. They get super excited because right. they're like, this is my entire livelihood. These guys are here to literally just help me drive my point home and I have to wait a month. Like that kind of sucks. And we feel bad about it because we're like, well, but yeah, there's nothing we can do, man. Like our people now are excited to be on and they're reaching out to us. We're reaching out to them. The first of every month we get blasted by our our listeners Mm -hmm. and they're like, can you go here? Can you go there? And we reach out to everybody and whoever responds, we go. So we kind of fell into a loop, but now, like, dude, last night, to just to show how busy we are, there's collaborations outside of interviews. So we have events going on with partners that, like, are friends, basically, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, like Three Chord Bourbon or Crooked Lamppost Brewing or all those guys. And we do that on the weekend because we still work full time. So my sister's like, hey, I mean, you can see it. Like, I got a beer fridge in my basement, a lot of beers in it. I don't drink beer, and I don't want to waste it, so I call my friends and family that I know drink beer. And I say, come over, obviously, you know, groups, whatever, come over, drink my beer. Cause I don't want to throw it out. So I call my sister and I said, do you want a day drink? And she gets all excited. She's like, absolutely. I was like, come over at 10, <laughs> you know, like bring your husband. Like we'll just sit in the basement, chill, relax, make food and drink beer all day. And then I'll just sip, you know, like Basil Hayden's or whatever. And she, uh, she goes, well, when are you free? Let's pick a day. I'm like, okay. So I pull up the calendar and she's like, what about this Saturday? And I'm like, ah. She's like, what about next Saturday? I'm like, eh. She's like, what about the next? I'm like, how about the 20th of March? And it's February 10th. Or it was the 9th. It was mm-hmm. yesterday. And she's like, are you serious? <laughs> and I was literally, I was like, yeah, so this is what's going on these days. Yeah. And then, like, the 13th, we're out of town because we got to go see our friends at St. Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I... I'm sorry, but like, yeah, we'll pencil you in. And she's like, all right, well, we'll just figure out like food later. <laughs> she's like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're my brother. I'm like, yeah. podcast is life, bro. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't to tell you. It's, it's crazy. We have some amazing things coming up <clears throat> with Three Chord. We're very, very excited to do this with Three Chord. And you guys will figure it out as soon as we get to actually doing the event. Then we'll let you know more specifics of it. But we have some amazing things coming with them. We're going down to St. Lawrence Distillery to interview them. Um, and Summer, who or September, who is their uh, local rep, yeah. was nice enough to give us this bottle after we reviewed their first product. So we have a lot of partnerships that we're very, very thankful for. Everything has just been flying recently. If you haven't checked us out on Instagram, we're doing a giveaway right now. As soon as we reach 1,000 subscribers, we're going to be giving away a sweatshirt. Followers. Or followers, yeah. As soon as we reach 1,000 followers on Instagram, we're going to be giving away a sweatshirt for one person. Then for another person, we're going to be giving away a set of four slate coasters with a sticker. And it's just another way to give back to you guys for being a part of our journey. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, go there right now. We're at like 950. We're really close to this. And as soon as we hit 1,000, we're going to be releasing the – we're going to be announcing the giveaway winner. So there's already people submitted and uh, entered to win. So go there right now. Make sure you're entered to win and uh, follow us. Yeah, so our handle is Buffalo Happy Hour 12 if you're new. Um, don't ask why the 12 is there. Just know the 12 is there. And then our giveaway post, scroll down a little bit because we still post literally six days a week. Um, so scroll down just a little bit. You'll see the the coasters for the photo. And they're a Black Slate clo- uh, coaster with a sticker, one of our stickers. And then when you click that... The, the whole caption of the photo gives you all the reasons and, and um, the instructions mm-hmm. on how to get into the giveaway. But, yeah, so we're excited. Thank you, everybody, for the support. We're excited. And, yeah, man, let's um, – But let's, going back to this, uh, the interviews that we've got going, we had one yesterday at uh, Cafe Godot. 
Yeah. And you made me walk, jerk. We're talking about it? Yeah. Okay, we're talking about it. So We talked about it during the interview. We got to talk about it today. All right. It's on the west side of Buffalo, and they're located in between Kleinhans and Deuville, but they're extremely, they're literally on Porter, so they're very close to Deuville College, right at that random Y intersection. Um, so, going back, Colleen and I, when we first started dating seven years ago, she used to live on Jersey Street in an apartment. So, that's where her and I, or I would always go to her place. Now, where the cafe is, it's about, I don't know, it's not like a mile, but... It was pretty close to a mile. It's its a decent distance, and we got, you know, the whole mobile setup, so we have multiple bags, and it we're weighs walking... About a, it weighs probably, at this point, probably 75 pounds. Yeah, so we're, we're on a walk. Now, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I got my boots... Derek luckily wore his boots, and there's there's no parking lot for the cafe, but there's a ton of street parking. But I knew he wasn't familiar with the west side of Buffalo. So I'm like, yeah, you can't necessarily like park here because time constraints, and then you just get ticketed all the time, and then you know your vehicle could get hit. Plus, it's like snow and slush. Like, I don't want anything crazy happening. I just don't trust people. We'll just park somewhere that I know like we won't get a ticket. And then Derek is in the passenger seat just pointing like, what about there? What about there? One out there. And I'm like, nah, like reasons. So we keep driving and I park on Jersey Street and then we walk basically a mile to the cafe. And he's just like mumbling and grumbling for the first like nine steps and then gets silent. I'm like, what's going on, Derek? And I'm like laughing. I'm loving this. And I just turn around and you're like, There's li- this is literally ridiculous. Like, <laughs> we could have parked all of these spots because then he starts reading science and he realizes, like, I just pranked the hell out of yeah, him. Yeah, so I'm driving to every interview from here on out. <laughs> you're fine. But it wasn't the fact that we walked. If you told me from the beginning, we're going to start walking long distances to these interviews, I would have been like, you know what? That's fine. But the fact that you're like, no, we can't park there. No, we can't park there. And you tricked me to then park this far away and you're just like just do it and like, i would have been fine doing it just tell me there's some karma there there's some karma dude you always prank me you always <laughs> drive my anxiety through the roof with- yeah like today yeah that or if you're like hey i don't know what happened but nothing works like the sd card is fried I'm like what are you talking about like we lost everything yeah i lost everything oh, just kidding found it it's, it's right here <laughs> you literally do that three times a week yeah i know well, I made you walk once. It's You're fine. That's fine. fine. Yeah, it is fine. All right. But yeah, so uh, this has been the last episode of the Buffalo <laughs> Happy Hour. We're no longer doing this anymore. Um, but yeah, so Cafe Godot, it was a great interview. We had a really good conversation. So when that interview releases, probably in like 2025, because we're so booked out, uh, definitely go check that out because it's going to be a good time. It's going to release in the middle of March, so it's not too far away, but uh, we have a lot of stuff in the works. It's kind of absurd. Yeah, and and just more. Yeah, we've our Instagram has grown so much since that giveaway posted at nine hundred. We're just we're growing so quickly, but it's a great thing, and we're very excited and very thankful for everybody listening. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you want to get into the uh, the whiskey section? Yeah, or do you have do anything it. else to add? No, let's do it. All right, so for today's episode, for episode 73, we're going to be talking about St. Lawrence Spirits Distillers Select Review. Um, This is specifically called their Icebreaker. I believe it said on their website that it's a seasonal release, so I'm not sure if they do a different mash bill or anything along those lines every season. Um, Outside of that, I'm not sure really why it's called seasonal, so I would have to assume so. It is coming in hot at uh, 120.3 proof, so it's, it's a... Pretty hot. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, 60.13 ABV, if we're going to be very specific. Um, so since the last time we talked, we already did this. Um, we already did St. Lawrence Spirits. So if you want to know the history of the distillery and more information around St. Lawrence Spirits itself, located in Clayton, New York, go back and check that out. Uh, I believe it was episode, what, 70 or 68, I'm pretty sure. So it was about a month ago. Yeah, because this is this is episode seventy three. Yeah. So if you want to hear any more information around St. Lawrence Spirits, go back and check out episode sixty eight, where we talked about their whole company, and then we also reviewed another one of their products called Captain's Flask. Uh, but since we did that, I believe 
that they added new products to their website. Now, I say they have a lot. They have a lot. But I say that I believe because they put the new products on their website as well as the um, awards that those products won. And those products won awards in 2020. So I'm not sure if our review sparked their knowledge to say we forgot to update our website or if it was there and I just missed it which it very well could be because sometimes scrolling through the pages, things go quickly. But anyway, so new products that they offer now, they have a new series, it, it seems like. It's called their collection, and they call it the Admirals Collection. And they have four different products associated with the Admirals Collection. The first one is um, – it's basically so they take their whiskey and they age it in different barrels. So that's the whole process, which we know aging it in different barrels is called. It doesn't. It it can't legally be a bourbon anymore. Correct. It's called the secondary maturation. Maturation. That's something that we learned in the Stephen Thee book, which is why I asked Mike. Um, but so correct. Once it is aged in a barrel outside of a new charred oak barrel, then it is no longer able to be called bourbon, and instead you have to call it. Um, I believe that they call it a whiskey specialty, this product or something like that. And uh, it has to be labeled on the actual label itself. So they created, they had these new products. The first one is their American whiskey aged in cognac barrels. The second one is aged in sherry barrels. The third one is aged in a tawny port barrel. And then the fourth one is aged in a Cabernet Sauvignon barrel. So they have these four different products that they put out and three of them won an award. So, uh, their cognac barrel aged whiskey won the Great American International Spirits Competition Gold Award in 2020. Their sherry barrel aged won the Great American International Spirits Competition Silver Medal in 2020. <laughs> and then their tawny port barrel aged whiskey won the Great American International Spirits Competition Bronze Medal in 2020. Did you say Pawnee? Tawny. Oh, close. Pawnee, Indiana. I wish, <laughs> man. Ron Swanson would probably approve of this. Um, so for the company background, again, we already discussed this in episode – I'm sorry, it was 69. I did have that written down. Um, and, yeah, so one thing that I did find very interesting that I must have missed during the first part is they cut all of their uh, whiskey down to get to their desired proof point okay. by using reverse osmosis St. Lawrence River water which they call is providing the spirit of the river in every bottle. So they're using the water, obviously, around their process, which we know they're very tightly bound to the community because they use their own farm. And it's cool that they use water right outside, basically, their chateau to uh, proof everything down. I'm excited to talk to them in detail about Mm. their entire operation because there's a lot that we haven't discussed yet, which will be in the interview. So I'm Mm. excited for that. But this is so good. Yeah. This is – Probably the best nose we've ever had on our show. 100%. It's very, very inviting. Because, like, there's so many flavors or smells that you are picking up that you're like, never smelled that before. Exactly. Right. It's very interesting. So we'll do... Cocktail section? Yes, cocktail section first, then we'll jump into label branding. So drop the beef for the cocktail section. Cocktails. Michael, what's your cocktail? Mine is essentially a reverse Manhattan. Okay. So it's called the Downhill Daring. Um, it's one and a half ounces of Punt E Miss. One and a half <laughs> ounces of this distiller select. Nailed it. Half ounce of Chuchi Americano Aperitivo. I'm going to just keep rolling because I have no clue. <laughs> Quarter ounce of Benedictine. Two dashes of Angostria bitters and two dashes of Raggins orange bitters, number six, garnished with an orange twist. So I have a photo for it, um, but I'm excited to post that on Tuesday because there's a lot to it, but it's an, it's a good one. Yeah. Interesting. What do you got? I'm surprised that you chose that cocktail since you couldn't pronounce five-sixths of the entire thing. Listen, what <laughs> do you, would you honestly expect anything less? No, and it wouldn't have been the same if you chose something normal. <laughs> But so I have the barrel strength Boulevardier Sour. We're making batch cocktails again. We're going to uh, meal prep our cocktails here. So nice. We're going to first make a batch of Boulevardier, which makes about three cocktails. So if you're having a party, highly suggest this. To make this Boulevardier batch, you're going to be using two ounces of this uh, St. Lawrence barrel strength bourbon. Then you're going to be using two ounces of Campari 
and two ounces of sweet vermouth. Once the batched boulevardier is ready, proceed to make the sour cocktail below. Now for the sour cocktail, you're going to be making two ounces of that batched boulevardier that you just created. So take two ounces of that, three-fourths of fresh lime juice, or lemon juice, I'm sorry, uh, one-fourth of an ounce of two-to-one syrup. So dissolve two parts sugar to one part water, and then you're going to want to do one egg white. So you're making the sour and the boulevardier, and you're combining them together. Wow. So shake the boulevardier, lemon juice, syrup, and egg whites without ice for 20 seconds to emulsify the whites. Add a large ice cube, about two inches, and then shake for another 30 seconds. Strain into a chilled cocktail glass and express the oils of a swath uh, of orange peel over the drink. So you're basically making two cocktails, and you're just like, I'm just going to send that. Yeah, essentially. Well, good. It's pretty dope. So label branding. I'm going to be honest. I kind of like the gray label. When you first sent me a photo of it, I was like, I like that. I love the name too. Icebreaker. Like, oh, okay. Like, this is a real deal spirit. Like, what's going on with this? I want to learn more. That's the impression I got when I initially first seen this. And we talked about this too during the Captain's Flask, is they have this line. It's very simple, but it's a ribbon that's reflective. In their captain's flask, it's a nice, like, teal blue. Yeah, it's awesome. This is a reflective silver, so it goes nicely with the gray label. I think that it's just amazing. I love their logo. I love that it's an anchor. The only thing that I'll say about this, because I have to have one thing, just like Devil's River. The only thing that I'll say, first of all, it has a glass cork, which no other place is doing. I love that they have a glass cork, too. Some wine bottles do Mm -hmm. it, but not whiskey. But one thing that I will have to say is their ribbon that they put over top, their seal, they need to have some sort of way where it'll twist off rather than peeling it off. Because when you peel it off, you get a lot of the glue residue there, and it becomes very sticky. So I learned you don't peel it off completely. You just break it. Well, that's what I'm saying. And so then if they, pull the cork off. If they had a perforation or something there, then it could easily – like, you know how salad dressings or whatever, you put your nail in and then you – It's pronounced salad. But no, so that's that was um, the captain's flask. We made that mistake. Even There's, this, I tried to I tried to do yeah. it, but it didn't let you. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's not perforated. That's what I'm saying. So if they perforate it so it can break, that would be preferred because it's leaving the glue residue on the cap. That's it. We're dropping it down to a D. All right, D plus. No, no, I'm just kidding. So a. this is definitely an A. But that is the only thing that I would add is that there is that little residue on there. But it's fine. My hands are very clammy, so I basically took it off already. That's gross. But anyway, um, so what the hell? So we're pretty good. <laughs> so we're pretty. Good. Yeah, we're, You're we're a disaster. We're no, it's. <laughs> So we're, we're moving on. Yeah. You don't want to talk about my clammy hands. We gave this an A. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this nose, <clears throat> guys, if I can explain this to you accurately, you're going to go out and buy a bottle of this immediately. I literally just get candy. See, now. But, I mean, there's there's more distinct notes, but, like, it's just, like, sugar and candy. And you're like, okay, but, like, what is it? What I get is specifically licorice, anise. And then a little bit of like a maple syrup. That combination together is exactly what I'm smelling. I I understand the licorice and the maple syrup. The other one, yes, um, it's just not as prevalent for me. Dude, this is so awesome. This to me screams holiday bourbon. Like during Christmas time and the holidays, bring this out. When you're done. You're done eating. Yeah. Everybody's relaxed, and you're like, I'm going to pull it out. Like, here's the icebreaker. This is the full thing. Everybody gets a small sample of it, and then we sip it because Mm -hmm. it's hot. And then that way we'll all get to enjoy what is inside this bottle. And then they would literally get the entire experience. Start with the nose. Go to the initial taste. Any note. Like, what are you picking up? It's a discussion. This isn't something that you would just randomly put in, like, a decanter and you have on Tuesday. Right. So nose, um, licorice. Maple syrup. Maple syrup, for sure. God, this is so good. Yeah. And I guess you're kind of getting, I guess you're kind of getting like a butterscotch too, but that yes. that translates from the nose into the initial taste. I love how our proof point has changed 
to where this is literally perfect. We're going to talk about that after we're done with this because that's a huge point that we have to discuss. I'm going to look on uh, Eddie's to see what this sells for, uh, if they have it, because I'm not sure what it sells for retail. But anyway, so nose, well, we we didn't give it a rating. Uh, A? Yeah, I'm going with an A. Yeah. Initial taste, you do get uh, – that's more of the ending. Hold on. <laughs> Initial taste, you get butterscotch. Kind of like a toffee. Mm-hmm. This is just something that is not common. Nothing about this is common. Mm-hmm. Typically, when you're at 120 proof and it's a distiller select, you're trying to figure out, like, if me as a distiller is trying to put out the best product possible, what do I want in it? You always go with, like, the standard, the industry standards. I want, you know, the leather, the honey, the oak, wood sugars, char, things mm-hmm. like that. This is a totally authentic unique spirit that's developed like this isn't something that you would just run of the mill think of i mean there's a lot of thought behind this product and it definitely shows in the initial taste into the ending note because it kind of it lingers in your mouth Mm -hmm. and it just coats your mouth like it doesn't do anything it's not necessarily destroying your nasal cavity it's not a super high hug that just in engulfs your mouth in flames it's just a nice experience is really the only way I can put it. If you were to put this in front of me without knowing anything about this product, I would have thought that it was aged in something else. Yeah. Like if you took the Good bottle point. away. Good point. I would have thought that this was aged in a different barrel outside of just a new chart oak because you're getting those unique flavors. This is fascinating. So we I don't have, have any um, service in your basement, so I can't look it up. Now that So we have toffee butterscotch. That's pretty good for the for the yeah. initial taste. I would say maybe an A minus. I agree. I agree. I agree. The ending note. I'm. I am getting caramel. Caramel and like a little peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I'm to still- me, this is. So another thing that I like about this distillery too is they tell you the ingredients or. Their mash bill that is um, made with, but they don't tell you the percentages, which leaves you to guess. No kidding. So All right, well, it well, says right on here, it's distilled from corn and rye. So what we know, since we just took our test, is that rye is a flavoring grain, yes. but you cannot pick a lot of that up. I'm not getting a lot of your traditional hot, spicy ryes in here. So if I were to guess, this is going to be a high corn, very low rye mash bill. Like very, like I'm talking probably less than 10%. You do get pepper, but it's on the back of the ending note. And and it could be masked, too, by all these flavors. Yeah. So ending note, you're getting peanut butter, caramel, caramel. and pepper. And then the rating, I'm, st- I'm going to go a hard A. Yeah, I like it. And this is such a high hug, dude. It literally, like, it warms your chest, obviously, because it is 120 proof, but it's not. It really just doesn't. Destroy your palate. But it coats your mouth a lot. This is very oily. Yeah, sure does. So, Which is interesting because normally you associate like really thick legs with a lower proof point. Not but this. But this is very, very thick, and it's obviously not low proof. Very interesting. I'm, gonna, I'm actually <clears throat> searching to see if I can find the okay. distiller select. But anyways, the... Final rating? Yeah, final rating. <clears throat> I'm trying to nail down my number. You got your number? Yeah. All right. Give me the countdown. Three, two, one. 91. 90.5. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. This is just incredible. That's a solid A, man. That's it a is. solid A. It is. I want to do... Did you just type it in on their search bar? So Addie's doesn't have it. I looked at Addie's and I was able to look at that. I was gotcha. trying to okay. look on St. Lawrence Spirits Distillery website 
and under I, their places I, to buy. I think it's like 50 bucks. Yeah. Where to buy? Um, let's do B&B liquor. But I do, I do want to know because there's a lot of people that would buy this. Mm-hmm. I just, I still, I love the confirm your age, you're 21. Like any 15 year old is going to hit yes. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's all liability. I know. It's just, it's but yeah, fine. it doesn't make sense. They do. They have like Valentine's Day cocktails. Who does? St. Lawrence? Yeah, on their oh, website. Cool. They're awesome. Um, yeah, I don't Sorry, know. I, yeah, it's not, it's not great content at the moment, but don't worry, guys. You got some of legal drinking age. They have it on their website for fifty-two doll hairs. Oh, okay. So that's not bad. No, I mean for what you're getting, yeah, not at all. One hundred twenty proof bourbon. That's not bad at all. Good. Corn rye, incredibly smooth, and notes of this is off their website. Butterscotch, spice, peanut. Hmm. Okay. So we weren't far off yeah. at all. All right, solid. So, all right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode because we got to finish off Wild Bill Donovan. Let's do it. Oh, God, it's back. All right, so this is our segment of our show where we talk about the prominent people that impact the Buffalo area. We are on episode eight, and there is so much information about Wild Bill Joe Donovan that we had to break it up into two parts. So if you missed that first part, episode 8A, go back and check it out. It was obviously the last episode that we uploaded, uh, and we've also done seven other people outside of him. So if any of that interests you, definitely go back and check out. We have a playlist on our YouTube channel that you can go click on and watch any of the episodes that we've done so far. So Michael... What wasn't able to fit in the first Wild Bill Joe Donovan episode? Sorry, I just had to let my mic know who's boss because yeah, it's trying you. to it's fine. It's trying to play games. I want to have more of this, but I feel like I'm going to get knocked on my ass. A hundred percent. So just sip it because yeah. I already crushed mine, but I'm home. So True. send it. Now, all right, Wild Wild Bill, we left off in and around 1940s. Obviously, those are paramount years in regards to our country. So on July 11th, 1941, Roosevelt signed an order naming Donovan the Coordinator of Information, the COI. At the time, Evan Thomas has written, the U.S. government had no formal spy agency. In 1929, the Secretary of State, Henry Stimson, had abolished the highly effective Black Chamber, which was a code-breaking organization left over from World War I. You want me to just fall asleep, don't you? Mm-hmm. In Stimson's view, <coughs> gentlemen do not read each other's mail. <coughs> you can go over there? Yeah, we're good. To be sure, the Army, Navy, FBI, and State Department, and other entities all ran their own intel units, which is very interesting. Yeah. Now, they were feeble and isolated from one another. They also saw Donovan's new operation as a threat to their turf. So, never, nevertheless, Donovan began to lay down the groundwork for a centralized intelligence program. It was he who organized the COI's New York headquarters in room 3603 of the Rockefeller Center in October 1941 and asked Alan Dahls to head it. The office Dahls took was on the same, I'm sorry, it was on the floor immediately above the location of operations of Britain's MI6. Jesus. Did you know that? No. MI6 was in the Rockefeller Center. That's pretty sick. Yeah, right? So, throughout the war, the OSS would endure criticism by segments of the U.S. media and by many highly placed figures in the U.S. government and military. There's a beep. Oh, there's actually a drop on the bottom, and that was just... That lets you know who (laughs) was in town. (laughs) There's a new sheriff. So, um, the U.S. media placed figures in the U.S. government and military. Um, So General George Marshall was an early critic, but later changed his mind. Eisenhower was also supportive, as was Patton. That's because they worked with him, Mm -hmm. Donovan, as in him. So they knew what was basically going on and what his role was, similar to Raymond Reddington. (laughs) So on December 7th, after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, Donovan met privately 
with these following people. Roosevelt, Edward R. Moreau, and FDR told Donovan, a propopose of the COI, I don't even know what a propopose is, but that makes sense for FDR because that dude was super smart. <laughs> he goes, it's a good thing you got me started on this. When Hitler gave a speech declaring war on the United States, he mentioned Donovan, whom he called utterly unworthy. Donovan urged Roosevelt not to intern Japanese Americans, warning that such an action would address a problem that did not exist. Do not, or, um, it didn't exist. It would do harm to loyal Americans, and it would provide the Japanese with ammo for their own propaganda. His wisdom was ridiculous. Like he, his foresight was just insane. Too. Donovan's right. Yeah. yeah. So he set up espionage and sabotage schools that established front companies, arranged clandestine collaborations with international corporations and the Vatican. Jesus. The Vatican, bro. He oversaw the invention of new espionage, friendly guns, cameras, and bombs. He also recruited agents, selecting individuals with a a wide range of backgrounds. Dude, he chose people that were like intellectuals and then artisans and then also criminals. He hired female spies, dismissing criticism by those who felt women were unsuited to such work. This is in the 40s. He's choosing women to be in these roles. Wow. This dude is amazing. Yeah. So among his prominent recruits, just to name a few, was a film director, John Ford, actor Sterling Hayden, author Stephen Vincent Bennett, and Eve Curie, daughter of the scientists Marie and Paris Curie. Other OSS recruits included a poet, a banker, a businessman, a chef, a psychologist, and members of the Auchenklaus and Vanderbilt families. I mean, literally just the works. There were so many aristocrats in the agency that the joke went around that the OSS stood for Oh So Social. (laughs) That's awesome. So in 1942, the COI ceased being a White House operation and was placed under the aegis of the Joint Chief of Staff. They basically delegated who the hell is in charge of it. Roosevelt changed its name to the Office of Strategic Services, OSS. Donovan returned from active duty in the U.S. Army in uh, his war, war... his World War One rank of colonel, he was promoted to uh, brigadier general in March 1943, and then to major general in November 1944. So now he's a two-star. Under his leadership, the OSS would eventually conduct successful espionage and sabotage operations in Europe and parts of Asia, but continued to be kept out of the South America, owing to Hoover's hostility to Donovan, which also had a deleterious impact on efforts to share information between the two agencies. In addition, the OSS was blocked from the Philippines by the ant, uh, anti, antipathy, 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 antipathy. That's what it is. Antipathy. Nailed it. We don't have a TV, so I'm not looking at any of this right now. Yeah, you're fine. Of General MacArthur, the commander of the Southwest Pacific Theater, OSS espionage and other on-site activities helped prepare the ground for the 1942 Allied invasion of North Africa. However, Donovan himself took part in the Allied landing in Italy on September 3rd, 1943 in Salerno. At the Anzio landing on January 22nd, 1944. So the dude's in charge of the OSS. He's literally like the only reason the OSS exists. And he's like, nah, put me on the ground. I'm invading Italy with the boys. Jesus. So he, he was in fact very active in virtually every theater of World War II. He spent a good deal of time in the Balkans to which he had urged both Roosevelt and Churchill to pay more attention. Like, hey, yo, Prez, pay attention over here because there's some <laughs> stuff going on. It's ridiculous. He met in Europe with highly placed anti-Nazi Germans to broker an early peace that would allow occupation by Western allies to establish a democracy in Germany. <laughs> Normal conversations. And he led the Soviets out of, out in the cold. In China, he struggled with... China. <laughs> China. With <laughs> Chiang Kai-shek and his underlings for permission to carry out espionage activities in the territory. He inspected OSS operations in Burma. He met with 
Vlashnislav Molotov in Moscow to arrange for uh, cooperation between the OSS and NKVD and was present for MacArthur's successful April 1944 invasion of Hollandia on the northern coast of New Guinea. Overall, the OSS was most effective in the Balkans, China, Burma, and France. I mean, he literally was just like traveling all over the place. On D-Day, he was on one of the ships that took part in the Normandy landing. Wow. I mean, the dude was just like everywhere. He's like, ah, D-Day? Yeah, really. yeah, I'll be there. I'm like, all right, dude. Going, call him up on his cell phone or something? Basically. So listen to this. This is a really cool story. Going ashore, he and his commander of covert operations in Europe, Colonel David Bruce, were shot at by a German plane, then moved on toward the American front lines and encountered German machine gun fire. As they were on the ground, Bruce later recalled Donovan said, Dave, we mustn't be captured. We know too much. <laughs> wow. Donovan said that he had two suicide pills, but then discovered he didn't. I must shoot first, Donovan said. Bruce replied, yes, sir, but what can we do against machine guns with pistols? Donovan explained, oh, you don't understand. I mean, if we are about to be captured, I'll shoot you first. After all, I'm your commanding officer. Because he literally checked himself to make sure that he had suicide pills. Once he realized he lost them, he was like, ah, we'll just shoot first. And then his guy's like, we're going up against machine guns. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, no. Screw that. I'm just going to shoot you first since you're the commanding officer. Like, <laughs> dude, I mean, he's just out of this world. Before the month was over with, he was back in Italy implementing reforms in the OSS operation in that theater. Then he, may, he meets with the Pope, Pius X11. So 12. The 12th. Um, telling him about the activities of intel agents working out of the Japanese embassy at the Vatican. Like, hey, sir, you know, Mr. Pope, just so you know, this this is what the Japanese are doing out of your embassy by the Vatican. <laughs> okay. During the weeks leading up to the uh, Valkyrie plot to kill Hitler, Alan Dulles, Donovan's man in Switzerland, because he's got a boy in Switzerland, who was in contact with the plotters, kept him abreast of developments. He's like, hey, this is how we're going to kill Hitler. Like, I'm just going to give you a quick phone call just so you know what's going on in the world. <laughs> Jesus. Who the hell is this guy? Right? He's from Buffalo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was a particular triumph for the OSS, uh, the role it played in conveying intel from southern France in the run-up to the Allied landing on the French Riviera in August 15th, 1944. Thanks to Donovan's spies, he told Colonel William Quinn the invading army knew nothing about the beach and where Germany was. Or, I'm sorry, or where every German was. Donovan was present for that invasion, too, after which he returned to Rome for a secret meeting with Hitler's envoy to the Vatican. Ernst von Wielsacker, shortly afterwards, he met with Marshal Tito to discuss OSS operations in Yugoslavia. As World War II began to wind to a close in early 1945, Donovan began to focus on persevering, or I'm sorry, preserving the OSS beyond the end of the war. A February 19th article in the Washington Times-Herald revealed his plans for a post-war intel agency and published a secret memo he'd sent to Roosevelt proposing its creation. Like, hey, we should probably start the CIA. Right. It's basically what it was. <laughs> the article compared the proposed agency to the Gestapo, knowing that Americans wanted a smaller federal government after the war. Roosevelt was not entirely sold on Donovan's proposal, although Donovan felt reasonably confident he could talk the president into the idea. Just slinging. Hoover disapproved of Donovan's plan, which you know he saw... You what he did all the time? Just, that's it. So Hoover disapproved of Donovan's plan, which he saw as a direct threat to FBI authority, even though Donovan stressed that his agency would operate only abroad, not domestically at all. After Roosevelt's death in April, however, Donovan's political position was substantially weakened. Although he argued forcefully for the OSS's retention, he found himself opposed by the new president, Harry Truman. While the OSS got glowing reviews from many wartime commanders, notably Eisenhower, who described its contributions as vital, critics dismissed it as an arm of British intel, and like the Times-Herald reporter, painted dark pictures of it as an American Gestapo in the making. So, World War II ends, Donovan's still around, he can't get the OSS to get approved by the federal government because 
the people don't like him per se and his allies are essentially moving out of the oval office so what happens in may 1945 the nuremberg trials where is donovan there because where else would he be my god so he flew to europe to prepare for the prosecutions because again he's a lawyer and eventually brought 172 oss officers onto jackson's team interviewing auschwitz survivors tracking down the ss and gestapo documents and uncovered other evidence donovan whose idea it was to hold the trials in nuremberg who knew that? Right. He's literally the reason they were held there. He's like, ah, we'll just we'll just go to we'll just go there. <laughs> he also introduced Jackson to useful foreign officials and even released OSS funds to bankroll the prosecution effort. Eventually, Jackson, who had been a political rival of Donovan's in New York State, considered him a godsend in return for Donovan's help, but also because the OSS had proven vital for the prosecution team. Literally, without Donovan, it wouldn't have been a success. Right. It's insane. Jackson lobbied Truman in person to approve of Donovan's plans for a permanent post-war intel agency, although it was unsuccessful. On September 20th, 1945, Truman signed an executive order abolishing the OSS. In Nuremberg, Donovan integrated many prisoners, including Hermann Goering, who he spoke with 10 times. But eventually, Donovan fell out with Jackson. The latter wanted to basically indict the entire German high command, not just men who personally ordered or committed war crimes. So Donovan considered this a violation of American principles of fairness. Donovan, a former prosecutor, also criticized Jackson's lack of skill and experience at putting together a strong case at a courtroom examination and cross-examination. Jackson removed him from the team. Donovan went back to the U.S. where in 1946, January, Truman presented him with a Distinguished Service Medal. Which, at this point, I think is his second. Could be wrong, but I wasn't alive in 1946, so don't come at me. <laughs> Truman moved forward with plans for a new intel agency, finally giving approval in 1946. So Truman was like, Donovan actually was on to something. You know what? We'll just move forward. It's now my <laughs> idea. So it was a watered-down interdepartmental central intelligence group. So we're getting there. So Donovan warned it would be ineffectual. He compared it to a debating society, and he soon proved to be right. As the Cold War quickly intensified, Truman recognized the need for a far stronger intel service, so in February 1947, he asked Congress to approve plans for the CIA along the lines Donovan had proposed. Donovan himself lobbied Congress privately to pass the enabling legislation, which in turn became the National Security Act of 1947, and it was, in Waller's words, a vindication of Donovan's vision. Among the OSS members who went on to become major CIA figures were Alan Dulles, William Casey, William Kobe, and James Jesus Angleton. So <clears throat> Donovan wanted to lead it. He had a ton of supporters. Um, he urged Truman to put him in charge. Instead, he gave the job to Admiral Roscoe Helen Coder, whom Waller described as lackluster. Meanwhile, Donovan accepted a position appointment um, to head of committee studying the country's fire departments, but he worked behind the scenes to aid in the formation of the CIA. So he basically just had a cover story, but he was still um, instrumental in setting everything up. So he goes overseas, does a bunch of work, and then comes back from abroad um, as a U.S. businessman and ambassadors passed information to Donovan that he shared with with the CIA. Instead of being grateful for Donovan's help, Truman was furious, considering him an intrusive uh, meddler. Really? Yeah. So for his work overseas, um, it, it was basically he was doing a bunch of other covert ops without federal approval. So the president got mad and mm-hmm. he's like, you're just an invasive meddler. You're not actually helping the CIA. You just want the power. Donovan began experiencing symptoms of dementia while in Thailand and he was hospitalized in 1957. Hmm. While he was in the hospital, he imagined he saw the Red Army coming over the 59th Street Bridge into Manhattan. In a memorable last mission, he fled the hospital. Really? So he's wandering down the streets in his pajamas, and shortly before his death, he was visited by Eisenhower, who later told a friend that Donovan was the last hero. So Donovan dies at 76 years old from complications of vascular dementia on February 8th, 1959 at Walter Reed. vascular dementia? I couldn't tell you. Um, So he passes away in 1959 
at Walter Reed. Upon learning of his death, the CIA sent a cable to its station chiefs. The man more responsible than any other for the existence of the CIA has passed away. He's buried in Section 2 of Arlington National Cemetery. After his death, he was awarded the Freedom Award of the International Rescue Committee. The law firm he founded, Donovan Leisure Newton and Irving, was dissolved in 98. His home in Chapel Hill near Berryville, Virginia, was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 2004. Oh, cool. In 2011, it was suggested that a new federal courthouse in Buffalo be named after Donovan. Makes sense. Yeah. Right? Instead, it instead, it was named after Robert H. Jackson, who was his rival prosecutor at Nuremberg. What a loser. So in 2014, U.S. Senators Chucky Schumer asked the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to name an upstate New York cemetery after Donovan. In 2016, however, the VA decided against using his name. It is outrageous that nothing has been done to honor General Donovan, one of America's greatest patriots in Buffalo or Western New York, declared Charles uh, Pink, who is a president of the OSS Society, who had thought of naming a cemetery after Donovan was a done deal. Donovan's a member of the Military Intel Hall of Fame. He's also known as the father of American Intel and the father of Central Intelligence. The CIA agency re uh, regards Donovan as its founding father. According to journalist Evan Thomas in a 2011 Vanity Fair profile, the George Bush Center for Intelligence, the CIA headquarters building in Langley, Virginia, has a statue of Donovan in the lobby. Thomas observed the Donovan's exploits are utterly improbable, but by now well-documented in declassified wartime records that portray a brave, noble, headlong, gleeful, sometimes outrageous pursuit of action and skullduggery. Basically, he's a savage. The William J. Donovan Award was created by the OSS Society, which was founded by Donovan back in 1947. The awards presented by the OSS Society to someone who has exemplified the distinguished features that characterized General Donovan's lifetime of public service to the United States of America as a citizen and soldier. Back to his guard days. Notable, notable recipients of that same award include Alan Dulles, President Eisenhower, Margaret Thatcher, President George W. Bush, and a previous director of the CIA, Gina Haspel. No big deal. So Donovan's award was awarded to those following people. Wow. So, like, obviously he's still instrumental. And there's nothing here dedicated to him. But there's nothing in Buffalo dedicated to the man that literally formed the CIA, which blows my mind, bro. Like, how? The dude was everywhere. In World War One, World War Two. he was Obviously in charge of basically the the only reason the 42 ID is the 42 ID. Starts the CIA. He works with MI6. I mean, like, stop. It does like that's so shameful. Us and Chucky e. Schumer don't agree on a lot of things. <laughs> Correct. But, but at least we agree on this. Mm -hmm. Wow. Just unbelievable. So hopefully something soon. But um if you thought that was interesting, great. If not, Oh, well. This is now the uh, Wild Bill Joe Donovan podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next, if you're outside of Buffalo, New York, and you take air conditioning for granted, just know that the man who founded it, Willius Carrier, is from Buffalo, New York. So we're going to talk about him next episode, which is episode nine of our segment miniseries. Uh, he was born in 1876, and he's the reason we have AC. Hmm. So... Uh, Willis Carrier is now a part of Carrier Corporation, which they're worth like $18 billion now. <laughs> billion. Billion, billion. <laughs> so no big deal. But yeah, we're going to dive into his uh, story next week, and it's not long compared to Wild Bill Donovan. Well, yeah, you could write a whole book on Wild Bill Joe Donovan. He needs more than just one movie after him. Yeah. So yeah, it's just unbelievable. So that's, that's it, man. Yeah. We are going to talk about proof points, but let's save that for next week. That way we have a discussion point for next week around what Perfect. everybody's preferred proof point is. So if you're interested in that conversation, make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode where we talk about our preferred proof points and how that's evolved over the years. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, yeah, no, really. If you enjoyed this episode, please, again, hit that like button, subscribe to our channel, and also leave a comment down below. Let us know what your favorite part of today's episode was or if there was something that you didn't understand or know about William Wild Bill Joe Donovan. Uh, we appreciate everybody 
tuning in. We really do. Our podcast would not be anywhere if it wasn't for all of you guys. So thank you very much. Uh, again, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I guess. We still use that for some reason. <laughs> We're at the Buffalo Happy Hour and then Buffalo Happy Hour 12 on Instagram. Make sure you go to Instagram, find that coaster picture, and enter the giveaway because it's going to be a great giveaway. Um, the sweatshirt is the most comfortable sweatshirt I've ever worn in my entire life. And these coasters are fantastic too. So make sure you enter that giveaway before we hit 1,000 subscribers because as soon as we do, we're picking a random winner or two. Doing because that giveaway. There are going to be two. Definitely that um, giveaway. Again, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We have new episodes releasing every Monday. We have interviews with small businesses releasing every single Friday. So if you want to continue supporting small businesses and you want to do it through our podcast, make sure that you're subscribed. That just gives us even more reason to go out and interview even more businesses. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. We appreciate everybody's time today. This has been episode 73 of the Buffalo Happy Hour podcast. Please remember, be a good person. Do not litter. And Michael, you took my line. We're out. Be a good person, drink responsibly, and Michael, <laughs> don't litter. We're out. <laughs>how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator sick of being upsold at gyms my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.